Well, hello, Dwayne Brummett here with Allie Alvarigo, schoolintertech.com. Allie, nice to be with you, sir. Yeah, you too, me too. Nice of you too. Me, what? I'm, I'm forgetting what to say. <laughs> yes. Hey, it's nice to be with you too. I was just going to say, I got distracted by your, by your shirt. I'm like looking at it, but I know we've talked about this before because it's TriStar Karate, yeah. but TSK by me is Tiger Showman Karate. That's I see the TSK all the time, but I love it. It's a nice colors and nice logo. So awesome job. Thanks. Yeah, we. Uh, I got this through Bold Look. The Bold oh, Look cool. had this uh, 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 design, and then uh, yeah, of course we just put the TSK and put our information. That, you know what's in so there, funny? So. That uh, this shirt that I'm wearing. This is what makes our lives so weird. Years ago, I ordered this through Bold Look as well. I but they printed it for me. I did the the top design, but they did this like dragon design, and I just added the logo. So how weird is that? That is hilarious. Yeah, really <laughs> crazy, right? So it's very serendipitous, right? So, uh, so, so, hey, you, uh, you brought your daughter back to school. That went all well. Yeah, it was awesome. And, and then you know what? Third year, you know, you've experienced this before. Like as you go on, it gets easier—not easier emotionally, because that's still tough. But at the same time, uh, right. you know, when we first went, we had like my, you know, truck loaded to the gills and couldn't pack another thing in. We had her mom's car loaded to the gills, couldn't pack another thing in. This time, we barely had enough in my truck just to fill it up so I could still see out the back window. Like it, she learned what not to bring, what was in excess, how much stuff you needed. You know, we didn't bring all this extra stuff. It was just as you grow, you know, you learn, and it's that whole experience thing, right? Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you so, only need one, one, one truckload. <laughs> yeah, but, but I have to tell you, she's funny. Like she, she probably, if she was on here, she'd get mad at me, but she sends me, like she's sometimes with her professors, and she takes a picture of her, her book of her, you know, her textbook. And she's like, I can't believe they're teaching this stuff, you know? And I, and I go say something. She's like, no, no, I won't say a word. She's like afraid to voice her mind. You know, remember the days when I remember like colleges where the professors encouraged you to be out of the box thinkers, to go against the grain, to think what you wanted to think and express your opinion. Now they shut it down. Like she's afraid to voice her opinion because she feels, and she's seen it happen that she'll get, penalized she'll she'll have a tougher semester she'll get worse grades because of it and such a shame you know the the textbook was funny it was talking about um gender equality and microaggressions for this one class she's taking and um and yeah it was just weird stuff in there that i would i disagreed with everything it said you know i can't believe they're teaching it to our kids but that's part of life i guess uh, well, yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> they're going to have to learn how to navigate through it. And it's unfortunate that you can't speak your mind uh, and it not bites you in the butt. That's unfortunate. Yeah, and um, the so. good news is you're right, though. She'll learn to navigate, right? That's a great point. And, you know, I appreciate that because it is true. Like, she's going to have to do that in the real world anyway, decide what what information to filter, what information to believe, who to listen to, who not to listen to, who to follow, who not to follow, and so on. So anyway, absolutely. Uh, you know, just I, you know, my my fear would be, I, I, and I fear this with my own kids too, is I just don't want them to be cynical. Um, right. You know, you you really, and I deal with that too. You know, where I have to go. Okay. You know, my wife will keep me in check and go. You know, you really, you really need to hear this person out, or you need to really hear that side out before you, you know, <laughs> right. start digging in your heels. And she's right. Um, so that would be my only fear, if that makes sense. Yeah. 
the only problem is like 99.9% of the time I'm right. So like whatever, whatever it is, they're wrong. So that's the problem with this world, you know? <laughs> so, yes, exactly. So, Everybody would just think like me would be okay. Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> we, we would have no problems if this all went on. So anyway, but, um, hey, so that well, this, into this a, kind of, our, our this topic. Kind of, yeah, it's a perfect segue, right? For, you know, uh, institutions, uh, not yeah. uh, to put you in an institution, but, you know, organizations, institutions, uh, especially in the martial arts industry. You know, we had um, a friend of ours, uh, Andrew, who uh, was curious if we would kind of bounce back and forth off of this topic, you know, whether to be involved with, uh, you know, some sort of organization, to be on your own, um, and maybe to clarify what, what we mean by that is, you know, having some sort of, sort of organization that, you know, you follow their rules, their testing cycles, their, you know, you're going to promote your people through them, or are you doing it on your own, or is there a hybrid type thing? That's kind of what we're going to talk about today. And I yeah. I don't know about you, Allie, but I think everybody that is, anybody that's on their own right now probably started with some sort of organization, um, and then it's branched out from there. But if you stop and you think about it, all those organizations then eventually, you know, were uh, uh, standalone uh, people anyways. You know, they were, before it was created as an organization, it was just a person or people, if that makes sense. Right. No, it totally does. And um, and I've been in it. I've been in the organizations. I've been with a teacher that started an organization and I helped him start it, like meaning uh, putting together uh, the the backbone of what we would consider to be an organization. And um, I, I've been in a very large organization through Japan, and, uh, and, and some of it was good, some of it was bad. Uh, you know, um, one time Steven Seagal said to me, he said, Ali, you can't have an organization without organization, right? And many organizations fall short of having organization. So, like, l- l- let's take – are, and here's a really great way to measure whether an organization is good for you or not, right? So if you're in an organization and you're not getting out what you need, then the organization is probably not good for you. If you're just in it for the sake of being in it so that you have credibility or Asian accredited, um, you know, uh, you know, uh, value or, um, you're, you're connected with your teacher and you're, it's your way of giving and back, but it's always going against you working against you, it's always more difficult, it's more painful for you to be in it than not, then that's probably not the organization for you. And um, the, the line that Seagal Sensei said, he said, you know, you have to, you have organization in order to have an organization. And quite often, most organizations don't. They're money grabs, they're, they're really nothing more than you pay association dues, and um, you do that because I'm the teacher, which, which listen, I, I agree that you have to give back to your sensei and to your teacher all the time. Um, however, I think that it's very important that people don't, uh, you know, don't fall short and, and just do it out of loyalty and get screwed because of it. Is that- well, we've talked about this before, but I think that um, a lot of giving back, and this isn't where I want to go with the conversation, but just real quickly – the giving back to your instructor um, is gone. Uh, that's that's something that's not even a, a thing anymore in most studios, if that makes sense, or even most well, organizations. Well, in most parts of life, period. Right. So um, mm-hmm. let's just let's tap into that part real quickly. So 
we don't live where years ago, I mean, we're not even talking that long ago, within 20 years ago when we opened up a martial arts school, people viewed the martial arts as a much more mystical um, thing. They, they looked at it with the old karate kid, you know, Mr. Miyagi, um, you know, Kung Fu theater type mentality where there was a master, there was a student, and it was a privilege to be under that student, under that teacher. And they held that with great respect and great honor. Nowadays, people are much more, uh, they think of it much more as a commodity. Like, Dwayne, I'm going to join your school. I'm going to pay you. And um, you're going to give me what I asked for. And that's the exchange. Right. I, I, My service to you, Dwayne, is I'm going to give you your $160 a month. Your service to me is to give me all the things that you promise. Don't expect loyalty beyond that. Don't expect thanks beyond that. Because our exchange, our business exchange, has been taken care of. Um, you asked for 160, I gave it to you. You promised me X, Y, and Z, I gave it to you. Like, and and if you think about it in its most simplistic form, it makes sense to the average consumer. Because if you buy a car and they promise you everything, and that you that they and they give it to you, you pay whatever ten thousand dollars for a car. You're not going to be like so thankful. Oh my God, I can't believe it. They actually gave me what I promised, what they promised, and they. This car is amazing. Like you don't have, you buy into the loyalty right. because it's a good vehicle, but you don't, you don't have, you're not indebted to Toyota or whatever because they gave you what you promised, right? So there's a different mindset going on in this new generation of people, and it's a consumer mindset. Sadly, we've placed ourselves in this funnel where we are a product. And that's when we became more commercial, more professional, more of a service. We fit right in with the colleges, with the schools, with the dance studios, with whatever. And we're nothing more than a service promise. Now we have to change that by teaching people the ancient ways, which may be pretty difficult because people just don't think that way anymore. <laughs> yeah, well, and that's the, that's the thing. It's ancient. <laughs> yeah. So now – what do you, okay, so you're not with an organization, right? No, no. Okay, and nor am I. Um, uh, well, I should back up and say I'm not, my studio is not. Right. I am with my instructor and his organization. I'm still a part of, of, of it, but, but my studio is, is not, if that makes right. sense. Right, yeah. But well, the that's... nice thing with the... The instructor I have right now, um, which I've had him now for the last 21, yeah, 21 years, um, is it, he's strictly Tang Sudo. And right. so my ranking through, through Tang Sudo is through him. But right. I have the freedom to do whatever I want in my studio. Uh, right. And it's not just Tang Sudo in my program. So I get to do whatever I want, which is not always the case when you're involved with uh, an organization per se all the time. Right. I, I, I think if I was – at one time I was part of his organization, but I just didn't do everything that yeah. um, was in the organization, if that makes sense. And he didn't necessarily require me to do everything. There were some things he required me to do. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I, had, I had the freedom to do a lot uh, of different things. But I will say that I do miss the um, – the camaraderie of a, of an organization, you know, yeah. it, it, there is something to be said about being a part of something that's even bigger than your own studio, and and even what it potentially can do for your students as well. For them going, man, right. I'm a part of 
X, Y, or Z, and this is a, a national or international type thing. There, there, there is something to be said with that, but there, there are super successful school owners that are in organizations and super successful school owners that aren't in organizations. Right. I mean, if you take yeah, Stephen Oliver, if you take, you know, something like him, and I might be misrepresenting him, so, uh, but, uh, so you might have to do some research because I don't know this to be true, but I know that his, uh, his instructor was June Rhee. Right. And I'm sure he followed the June Rhee system, but now he has the Mile High, uh, you know, karate franchises, and I'm sure he has his quote-unquote own system, especially since he's got, like, you know, Jeff Smith with him, and there's been so many other things that he's implemented and put into it. It's more of a mile-high karate uh, system as opposed to a right. Junri Tungsudo, or excuse me, Taekwondo right. system. I, and, and, and again, I could be wrong. Maybe he, he still ranks everybody uh, in that. But he made his own organization, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah, and listen, you, you know, you're right. You, you don't necessarily have to have an organization that's attached to a teacher. Like, for example, guys that have, you know, multiple schools and massive amounts of students, um, I think and I think and I, I think it's important for them to start their own organization. So like a central board for testing, um, a central area where all the instructors that run the schools have, um, you know, a certain curriculum that they follow, um, you know, contact from the head instructor, the master. And, and that's where a lot of these organizations fall short, like where. Uh, most of them probably should have a website, you know, XYZ organization website that all the schools would have a membership to and they could go to. And that way that master instructor could communicate tid tidbits of information, bits of, you know, uh, little tips on training, you know, uh, a monthly newsletter, updated videos, and all of these things, you know, cool shirts from the headquarters and things like that, which could also turn into a a little bit of a business thing for those organizations. However, what I've found, and even in my organization from Japan, you know, we were promised a newsletter four times a year. That never happened. We were promised, you know, um, certain amount of training and online training. That never happened. You know, there was a lot of infighting with organ within the organization where one instructor was pitted against the other instructor because they're all fighting to be on the on the seat next to the sensei. Um, I think that if it was a good organization, it was organized well, it would have been much more powerful for him as a teacher and much more beneficial to the students, right? But when I was telling my students, listen, we're a part of XYZ organization, um, you get this, this, and this, and then I didn't get it, I then started to have to make my own stuff up so that I could give it to my students so that they'd feel happy about being in the organization. And by the way, I never charged my students, even though that I was charged for it. I gave it to them for free as a part of my school, and I would literally cut a check monthly to my teacher, and that was my way of saying thank you to my sensei. Um, uh, he didn't know that, but that's what I was doing for him because I didn't want to have to nickel and dime my students for more more stuff, you know, so I just wanted, that was my choice to do it that way. I have friends that have schools and every year on the whatever, June 15th, they charge $45 for organization dues. Right. You know, so. I'm, you know, I, I'm curious with the uh, individuals that are on the Facebook Live with us, it, it, whether they are um, involved in an organization or not. So if you could just make a comment and just say, you know, yes, I am or no, I'm not. Uh, that would be interesting to uh, to kind of do a quick poll on on the the live viewers, anyways. Um, yeah, if that makes sense. I'm just kind of curious. So what are what are the um, 
let's start with the negative so we can end with the positive. How's that? What's okay. The, uh, yeah. What's the uh, the cons about being an organization, being with an organization. I think you kind of hit hit on some of those things that it's not organized or they're not always organized. Right. Uh, ego egos. Uh, what else? Well, I think I mentioned a few of the cons, and I'll just you know quickly restate those. So number one is not getting what you're promised. Like you don't get – this is one thing that I find in most organizations. The people who are in the organization, the only thing they get is the right to pay money to be promoted and get the certificate from the organization, a meeting, a meaning like it's a stamp of approval. But what I've found is many of my students, the majority of them didn't care. They didn't care if they got the test from me, the the belt, the certificate from me, or from the organization. In fact, um, if they had a choice, they they didn't they didn't want it from the organization if they had to pay for it, right? So um, that was one downside. And then not having benefits, like you have to ask if you and I were going to invent an organization right now, um, we would probably say, well, what are we going to give people for it? Like, what are we gonna? What is going to be the benefits of the organization? What are the point of sale options, what are they getting for their money, what are the freebies we're going to throw in every month to keep people engaged and active, right? Um, Sensei uh, Nemiroff said, uh, uh, he said, I am, and then Ken Swan said, I am, but one is more loosely affiliated than David Nemiroff. That's not always true. If you're in a good organization, you have access to scale teachers that do seminars at your school and so on. So while while that's true, right, so I guess if you have the teachers and the sensei, a part of being in there is your and that's true. When I was involved with Japan, my teacher would come over and he would teach and I would host him and all that other stuff. So that connection to Japan was amazing. And I miss it, to be honest, but I don't miss the politics and all the headaches that went along with it. Right. Yeah. I, you know, so what's the cons of being private then, you know, by doing it on your own? I mean, what's uh, what's the downside to that? Because quite honestly, I have to start really digging deep to to think about that. I will I I will say for me one of the biggest cons is I'm not I'm not a mixed martial arts but mixed martial art but I am not strictly Kung Sudo. So it's very difficult for um me to explain to my students what style we do. Because right. you, you know you, you rattle off the four styles and then they're 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 head spinning by that time. Whereas yeah. with you're just you know I use Taekwondo because you know when I explain when, when even when I explain Tang Sudo I say well you know one of the arts is Tang Sudo it's a traditional art kind of like Taekwondo you've heard of Taekwondo before yeah everybody's heard of Taekwondo yeah, yeah. you know so you know what I mean and I had somebody say to me one time they go you know you ought to um, create a name for your style and I go well the problem with that is do I give it an, an English name do I give it a Korean name do I give it a Japanese name do I give it an Israeli you know what I'm saying it's like right. you, you know and so I would say for me that was that's probably been the the one of the one of the cons to not being with a quote-unquote organization and being right. style specific um, you know, ninjutsu, the nice thing about ninjutsu is that, you know, you, you, you can incorporate whatever you want because ninjas are supposedly do everything, right? Um, and, and I don't mean supposedly like a bad thing. I just mean they're, right. they're, they're supposed to be able to do everything. And so um, I would say that's probably one of the cons for me. The other con is not that I need the support 
from, you know, other schools, but it's nice to have, you know, the tournaments or the seminars like, you know, David Nemiroff had talked yeah. about that camaraderie in a, in a bigger sense as opposed to just, you know, your little bitty four wall type thing. Would yeah. it any cons for you? Well, yeah, and um, I, you know, there the cons to me have always been the restrictions put on me to be able to run my business the way I want it. Now, I'm not in an organization, so to speak, uh, uh, like you know, I, or I wasn't in an organization where it's just an organization. I had a very stringent uh, curriculum to follow. Um, if I, you know, was people would turn me in and say, "Hey, Ali went to a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu seminar." to train with Hicks and Gracie and my teacher would pull me off to the side and say, why did you do that? Like, what is, why did you go and train with him? And I'd say, sensei, I just wanted to learn a little bit about grappling. I thought it would be cool for me to understand more. He was like, okay, that's good. Like, but they'd always kind of turn it around. We had a, we're a very, our style was very pure purists where they didn't want you looking at training with acting toward going to being involved with being friends with anybody. Right. Like when I left the organization, there was a mass letter that went out to everyone in the organization that said they were no longer allowed to be my friends. No joke. And I mean, this is the type of stuff that goes on with organizations where I had, and they had a, a standard letter that he had written that they had to send to me. He just left, you know, put my name in it and then he left their name blank and they would sign it. You know, I, sorry, Allie, I know we had a good time together. You know, I know we were best buddies and traveled the world for the last 10 years side by side, you know, and I stayed at your house. Like literally it should have, you know, that kind of thing where we were friends and I felt really betrayed by a lot of them. Some of them actually left the organization because of it um, because they didn't want to not be friends with me anymore. And they just felt it was unfair. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I was put in that position where I, a lot of my friends no longer were able to talk to me. In fact, one of my best buddies lived in England and anytime I went to visit England, he would send a message to another person that was bringing me in to tell me hi and hope I'm doing well, but he would not directly contact me. Now, listen, this is a traditional Japanese organization. So um, if you disrespected your teacher spiritually and um, karmically, you'd feel really bad about it. So people easily said, hey, Ali, I want to be with Sensei. I'm not going to be your friend anymore. And that was how it was done. Um, But, you know, there's a lot of other cons with that restriction. Like, let's say I want to do like you do and teach other things. He would say to me, no. You're not allowed to teach those things at your school. So that that's the part that I see as a disadvantage. But David Nemroff, did you see some of the comments? Like David wrote, um, uh, he wrote that, uh, I'm going to play devil's advocate. Would you go to a doctor that wasn't part of the American Medical Association, or would you go to a lawyer that wasn't part of the Bar Association? So why go to a martial art instructor that's affiliated with legitimate accredited martial art organizations? So let's take that question. Um, and I, I'm gonna I'm gonna play devil's advocate and go against that because here's the thing, I don't believe that people care one that we're that we are affiliated with Japan. Very few will say like, wow, that's really cool. Like all I have to do to say to people is, listen, I've been to Japan 17 times, trained with one of two ninja masters in the world, and uh, lived over there for a period of time. People are overjoyed with that. That's all they really need to hear. They don't want to see that I'm stamping my certificate with their stamp. Because the way I've built my school, it's like its own organization, right? So it's its own system. It's its own curriculum. But it comes from the roots of Japan, right? I'm just not using the same name that I used when I, years ago, right? So, yeah, but I do agree with you. If you're using that as a selling point, like, hey, I'm, 
I'm accredited by a Japanese master that, you know, the roots go all the way back to Japan. That could be a, you know, feather in your cap, so to speak. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I totally agree. I, I think most people, 99.9% of the individuals that uh, join your school in the beginning could care less who you're affiliated with, especially nowadays. Um, yeah. You know, they, but that being said, it's not to say that it isn't important or that as time goes on and you teach them the culture that we've been, you know, what uh, there's numerous calls and podcasts that we've talked about, you know, the culture of martial arts is declining uh, in, in the schools. So obviously, you know, David is doing that where he is making sure that they're um, rooted in the ancient ways, if you will, uh, for lack of yeah. a better term, the, you know, the, uh, the niceties that go along with it, which is lost and kudos to him for doing that. And, and then it becomes more important to them. Like, so if someone were to move away from, you know, the town that David lives in and they were to go check out another uh, a keto place in, um, you know, whatever town they're moving to, they would ask those questions. Like that, that would be right. vitally important to them. But yeah. that's also because they're educated. They're educated now, and yeah. they know what to what to look for. So there there is a benefit uh, for David with that. I think you know what I'm saying. And I'm not he trying to butter him up. I just I really do. I think so. No. And I'm sure he's blushing because he blushes really easy. Very, he gets very embarrassed. <laughs> now I'm just kidding. He, he's a good buddy of mine. We talk like two three days a week. Um, so so I agree with you there. Like it's it's better to be able to say like I can say. Like, there are so many more, like, I, I've been stirring the pot a lot, and I just backed off because I was on the Century Martial Art website, and I'm like, who considers themselves a traditional martial artist? I mean, I got to a point where one of my friends, who's from the Chicago area, um, is no longer probably my friend anymore. He, he cut me off. He won't talk to me. He's pissed at me. You know, he says, get off my high horse, um, because I'm talking about traditional martial arts, and we had a conversation about this maybe about three, four calls ago, um, but but I find it funny that um that there and you said this in your what, before you saying like the martial arts are going down a certain pathway and um i don't know if they're ever going to re correct their to the right direction and and again not to mention steven Seagal, because i train with him very minimally um you know maybe like you know 40 50 hours of training with him in different seminars um and and spend some time doing security once or twice for him because he's down on a security guard anyway i'm not tooting my own horn but i'm just saying that's how my affiliation with him but he said to me also too um you know, as far as, you know, the, the training goes, you know, he said that the martial arts is going to go, and this is going back to 1994, in three directions. He says there's going to be those traditional schools that are going to stay traditional and teach the arts very pure, he says, but they're dying quickly. This is back in 94, he said that. He said then there are going to be those sport schools, and then there are going to be the hybrid arts, like mixed martial arts. And by the way, it was just coming out at that time where the UFC just started. Um, where people are no longer going to have tradition. They're just going to take an amalgamation of all the arts and, and put them together and use them as an MMA system, mixed martial art, not necessarily, you know, in the MMA ring. So, um, yeah, so that was an interesting comment by him because I see it more so than ever. Like when I pose the question, I say, are you a traditional school? People say, absolutely. And I'll say, can I ask why? And they say, well, we say yes, sir, no, sir. We bow, um, you know, we're respectful, and I, I don't believe that anything that I, I consider to be traditional martial arts has anything to do with that, although respect and courtesy and all that stuff has to do with it. 
But I'm talking about the traditions, like how you tie your gi, how you tie your belt, how you stand when you bow, how you treat your sensei, how you live your life, how you bow to the dojo, maintain the dojo, what techniques you're learning, like all of that stuff. Does that does that make yeah. sense? It, no, it, it does. And we, you know, we obviously talked about that when we talked about tradition or traditionalists in our, our podcast, like you said, a few weeks ago. So, um, yeah, I, it, it's, it, he's, he's right. It's a dying art. You know, it's a, there's, it's a dying, dying breed, uh, with that. And I think, you know, some of these, uh, big organizations will help keep it, uh, alive to a certain degree, but some of them, some of them have, have I don't sold out isn't the right term to say some of them have switched over a little bit and become more mixed than traditional um, right and I don't you know and I I get that you know like I said I'm I used to say I was a mutt you know now I yeah. kind of say we're eclectic a mutt doesn't sound yeah. as good so you know but we're more eclectic uh, than yeah. we've ever been before and if something isn't working I will take it out and put something else in that I found that works better. Um, yeah. And I just think that that's being very practical uh, for my students. Like you know, you, you um, know, it's rent. You know, it's interesting. Greg Gregory Duncan, Hanchi Greg Duncan just joined, and he comes from you know Professor Ronald Duncan. That's his dad, um, and a long line. He, I mean, he's been training since he was an infant, right? You know, and so his traditions. His dad performed in the World's Fair in the 19, what was it, 50s or whatever. I don't remember the date of the World's Fair, but his dad was doing martial arts back then. So, like, back then, the martial arts was a different different ball of wax, you know, and I've trained with his dad uh, minimally, you know, like seminars and having him come in. But, I mean, very old school mentality, loyalty, discipline, honor, integrity, all of that stuff. And Gregory uh, Duncan Professor is now – He's still passing that on. And, uh, oh, 1964, he wrote, was when the, the World's Fair was. Okay. So Hanshi Gregg is still teaching those method, methods still to his students because I just taught with him like two or three weeks ago, and they are perfect representation of him. So, like, that's he's the one keeping the flame alive, like a few people that are doing that, and I, I give him total respect for that. And like David Nemiroff, you know, um, and he wrote, I think that once we educate our students on the importance of lineage – then they have a pride in what they're learning. So I think that that's important too. I'm not saying that people who don't have that lineage or they don't have an organization or they don't teach those type of traditions are a bad school because they're changing lives. They're still making people better people. I just think people get very offended, dude. They were people cut, you know, cut into me, you know, like, and really were mad at me for saying that's not really tradition, you know, like to say honor, integrity, loyalty, and teaching the, the yes, sir, no, sirs. That's not the tradition I'm talking about, but it's a, it's a tough topic because people really hold it dear to their heart. Well, it's personal preference. I mean, this whole exactly. conversation is personal preference. It really is. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, the original organization I left had I didn't I, I had nothing. The reason I left had nothing to do with the fact that it was an organization. Right. In fact, I thought that they ran things pretty well. There, obviously, the higher I was getting up, there there obviously would have been more of you know the backbiting or, you know, fighting for position or whatever. I, I, I get that. Yeah. That, that's like any, any corporate ladder, right? <laughs> In yeah. any corporation, you get that. You, you, you can't, you can't not help that. And even I would say probably in 
olden times you had that, it's, except the fact that uh, yeah. they, they settled it with their, their bare hands, you know. It was, <laughs> it, hey, if I can whoop you, then, you know, I, I'm the one that's going to be in charge after Sensei yeah. dies. I mean, that's just, you know what I mean? That's just the way it was, right. was going to go. But, uh, and then when I went to the, the new organization, I, I really appreciated the, the fellowship, the camaraderie. Um, but that organization gave me nothing besides my rank gave me nothing right. as as in the curriculum uh new material it, I, look i'm not saying that a new form isn't um isn't you know more knowledge but yeah i, I was at a standstill like you know i i had already gosh i i'd already tapped out this sounds really haughty i tapped out in tongue shadow uh, and I and I needed and and really was opened up after I left the organization I initially was with. Um, you know, and I, I would say Natma with John Graydon opened my eyes to so many things. Right, I, mean, I uh, at that time, if I would have been taken to the ground, I, I would have been killed easily. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? I'm yeah. not saying I'm a, a big bad. You know. Grappler now, that by by no stretch of the imagination am I that. Am I that? Um, but I'll tell you what Natma did for me was it helped me understand my deficiencies, and and I know that if I had those deficiencies, of course my students had those deficiencies because they don't they only knew what I taught them, and so to right. see all these different arts uh, being taught under one roof, you know, you can go to this seminar, that seminar, go, oh my gosh, I want to start following this person, and man, I want right. to learn this system and blah, 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 that was amazing to me. And to me, NATMA uh, at the time, uh, Maya a little bit later on, but NATMA at the time became my organization. Right. When I didn't have an organization, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, I remember sitting at the seminar when John Graydon came out and he kind of had that talk. He, and I, I have to be honest, I, I didn't like him very much back then because of what he was saying. Because I felt very offended by him saying, like, a gi is nothing more than underwear that, you know, they used to wear under their kimonos, right? Um, and I felt like he was throwing a lot of the, you know, the, the traditions out, uh, the baby out with the bathwater by, you know, not putting essence and value on them because he felt that they were useless. And him and I have had debates on this and conversations and articles and all that. And, and actually, by the way, we're quite good friends now. Um, and he's and he's been on our podcast before, right? So um, he really did change the industry. However, the one bad thing I think about the growth of this industry is that a lot of people didn't have to rely on their senseis or their organizations to be successful. So they went out on their own and they did it all on their own and they were able to make money and run professional schools and promote their students and not sacrifice anything because they they weren't in an organization. However, that's where I believe the decline of the traditional art or the lineage of the art started to get changed where, um, let's say, I broke off from my organization. I said, I'm not going to teach my techniques like this anymore, and I'm going to exclude these because I find kata useless, or I don't find that weapon, uh, that traditional naginata spear and sword weapon valuable, right? So I just started now taking out and piecemealing my own system together which just brings it further and further. And then one of my students quits and opens up his own school and doesn't like what I taught him. He takes it out. 
Now all of a sudden the martial art is no longer like what it was, yet they're still calling it ninjutsu or jujitsu or hapkido. And it's so far from the original uh, source. It's like pizza with chocolate syrup and whipped cream on it, you know, versus sauce and, you know, mozzarella, right? So there's a big loss right now, right? I think it's sad. What do you think about that? Well, yeah. But isn't that what we do? We we take something, we put a spin on it, and we call it our own. Uh, yeah. That's, that's, and I would say that's more of, of a, an American thing than, you know, an Oriental thing. Obviously, there's a lot of respect and tradition. I would say even probably nowadays still in in Korea or in Japan or even in China um, than than there even is here if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, by the way, you just made a racist statement when you said Oriental. It's not no longer PC to say that. It's Asian now, just so you know. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> so I know I did that okay. the other day because back in the martial arts, when we used to go to an event, in fact, uh, Hanshi Greg Duncan's dad used to perform in this event that was over and over again every year called the Oriental World of Self-Defense. Now you never say that. In fact, I have an Asian friend that I said, is Oriental okay? She's like, no, 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 you can't say that anymore. <laughs> so you got to be careful, right? With the, everything you do changes. And it's kind of, I only brought that up because isn't that funny? Because that's how things have changed. Right. Things are now, you know, what we used to know, Asian. what we used Sorry. to think, yeah, what we used to say, um, how we used to act is no longer a part of our society. So I think there are purists out there that are still. Wait, 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 their, wait, Yeah. Wait, are, are you saying I can't be called, I can't be called round eye? No. Yeah. Okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so, um, but David Nemiroff wrote in our organization, we offer several different styles in martial arts. This was the way of the samurai learning complete systems as opposed to taking a little technique from here and there. And I think that makes people more well-rounded and, and I don't disagree at all. Uh, so okay, David. And, um, you know, I think that that's a very important thing. And another great friend of mine just joined our call. I don't know if he's, you know, it's hard to tell because, it says we have, you know, so many people watching, but only one person's picture is popping up in my in my watch uh, box. Um, but Adam McCauley, Renshi McCauley, runs a very traditional karate dojo in upstate New York. And um, he also is a very traditionalist, a very traditional martial artist. So I wonder, he just jumped in, so I'm not sure if he has any insight on whether being in an organization or not being in an organization is good or bad, and what's your opinion on that? Um, Ken Swan wrote, I think the idea of adjusting a system to be more effective has been happening since ancient times. Think of the different Kung Fu systems, variations in karate, etc. Can I, I'm going to comment on that. Um, so this is what I find so unique. Now, I get it. People are using guns now and razor knives versus a long samurai sword. But there, people say to me, you know, why would I learn how to defend against a samurai sword? And about 12 years ago in the in New York City subway, Someone got attacked, and he started attacking people with a samurai sword. And who defended it? Flipped the guy, grabbed the sword, disarmed him, and, and held him for the police after he killed two people? A judo guy who practiced in jujitsu and defense against a samurai sword. So, yeah, for that one particular case, it has value. But the real essence of, of modern martial arts being more effective than ancient martial arts, I don't see how that's even possible. Because in ancient martial arts, you actually went out on the battlefield, and you tried what you did. You didn't do it for fun. You out on the street fighting and doing it and using it, um, and it was effective. It really, really worked. They knew how to apply it. 
Now we just teach thoughts and theories and concepts. And we're like, don't hurt the guy. Don't, don't hurt his wrist. Don't pin him too hard. You know, I have parents complaining that one of the kids, you know, his wrist hurt after wrist locks. Oh, he's doing wrist locks. What do you expect? You know, part of the training. But people think you could get the knowledge without going through the punishment, right? Or, or at least feeling it. So I think that that's a little bit of a, a mis, misdirected statement and not to say anything wrong to Ken. I'm not trying to be um, disrespectful. I'm just saying that those ancient martial arts worked and they still do. Of course, strategies change, but the techniques don't, if that, if that makes sense. Yeah, well, absolutely. And, and I like how you said that strategies change, but the techniques don't. You know, uh, I, a new book by James Mattis just came out and um, I'm going through his book and it's amazing how much reading and studying this, this, you know, general has done and it's interesting to hear about you know and see when this battle or these battles were happening uh, over in Afghanistan how he prepared for x y or z by reading this this and this and years prior when he had read about this battle and I mean, he, he was even talking about some uh, I don't remember the name of it some battle uh, where the the uh, uh, we were fighting the Indians. I forget what it was. Um, okay. Some, some, some. Can you say Indian? Um, anyway. Uh, yes. Okay. Anyhow. Or Native it, it American. It was just interesting. Native American. Okay. So, uh, so NA. So, anyways. So, <laughs> <laughs> but it was just interesting to hear all of the um, all the knowledge that he just over the years have learned in order to uh, make correct decisions on the battlefield. And he right. learned from the mistakes. Uh, he learned from successes. And, you know, that is true. That's what we, you know, that's what they did is they would go out on the battlefield and, you know, they'd learn quickly. Otherwise they'd be dead. Yeah. Hey, listen, we just got two other people that joined the conversation that I don't know how long they'll be on here. Well, one is a good friend of mine. We trained together in 1980. So it just shows our date, Roberto Torres. He's a Chuhan in the Filipino martial arts, phenomenal martial artist. Um, been on the cover of Black Belt Magazine and all sorts of things. And um, you know, I wonder what his take is also on organizations and being in an organization. And then also Scott Smith, who's from Kentucky. Um, he runs a Gracie of Kentucky, and um, he's a phenomenal jiu-jitsu practitioner. And he and his wife are also good friends of mine. So I don't know what their thoughts are. But one thing I can say to you this, Dwayne, is um, – I think that old saying that we use all the time, you don't know what you don't know, it, it rings so true, right? And I, and I said this on the Century page. I, just recently, Dave Kovar, who I highly respect, wrote a comment. He was teaching an instructor training thing that he does. And there was one guy out there, a negative naysayer, who kept saying everything that he said, that'll never work in my area. That's never going to happen in my area. That's no good in my area. And he said, like, sometimes he even pulled him off to the side and tried to talk to him. And he said, sometimes you can't get through to certain people like that's it however one thing though is that these people that are always it's never going to work that's no good they're so right. stuck because they're afraid you know when you tell them things that they do or not do right their foundation is shaken a bit so like for for example if i tell people like that's not the way you bow in japan well, this is the way I was taught. Well, if you want to do it the way they did it in Japan, the way I was taught, or you could do it your way. It doesn't matter. Or this is not how they tie their gi or not how they tie their belt or not how they treat their sensei. 
I'll just share from the perspectives of me training and living over there for periods of time. Um, you could take it for what it is. It's not to say that what they do is right or wrong. However, um, it is different, quite different than what you would think it to be here in the United States, you know. So um, scary. But anyway, so it, Ken, Ken wrote again. He wrote, Ali, that wasn't my intention of the statement, but there is always a refinement to the way a technique can be taught. Information without exercise or application will lose its value over time. Agreed on that. And uh, we become better as we work out flaws or challenges to a concept or technique. Totally agreed, Ken. I, I'm with you 100% on, on both of those statements. So, and, uh, so, so, Dwayne, what would you say, like, for people, because, man, we could talk, you and I, or me, <laughs> you know, I could, yeah. But um, what do you think? It's 12.15, dude. So we already were on for 45 minutes. What do you think, what would you suggest if someone called you and said, hey, Dwayne, I'm thinking of quitting my organization, um, what would be th things you'd say? What, ask yourself these questions kind of thing. Yeah, well, I think the first thing I would say is just uh, do what Ben Franklin did when any time he had a tough decision, is just write down the pros and cons. And then he just did a mathematical equation. Whichever, whichever one had the most, he went with. Right? right, whichever one had the least, he went with, depending on the question. And so, if you had, you know, five cons of, of uh, uh, or five pros to leaving, and only four cons, if those five pros outweighed the four cons, then you leave, you know, or vice versa. So that would be my first thing: is that it's got to be a personal decision. Um, the next thing I would say is, you know, what what is your purpose in wanting to leave? So, for instance. Are, is there a relational problem? Um, and if so, have you tried to fix that problem? You know, and because uh, sometimes it, it can be fixed. You know what I mean? Right. Um, right. And, and so if you, if you do that and it can be fixed and you still want to be involved with that organization, then that's even better. It's kind of like even I've had people um, – that have gone to other studios and then want to come to me, and one of my first questions is why, and then my next question is, well, did you go and talk to that uh, owner? Did you right. give them a chance to solve any grievances you had? I mean, right. I, not that I don't want more students, but I, I I don't want you leaving and 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 you're a problem and right. <laughs> You know, you didn't try to solve the problem. You're the problem because I don't want to take on another problem, you know, that right. type of thing. So yeah. that, that would be Maybe. my advice. Do the Ben Franklin thing. Uh, if, uh, have you tried to solve your problem and will they, you know, work work that out with you? And I think after that, everything else is, is personal preference, to be honest with you. Yeah, you know, it's funny in regards to what you just said about people leaving. You know, quite often if someone comes in, we give the parent, the person, the student the benefit of the doubt. Hey, I used to train at Dwayne Brummett school. You know, he's a real jerk. And, and you and I are friends. And I'm like, Dwayne, do you ever hear of so-and-so? But if I don't know you and you do have like a, you know, an attitude or whatever, I might say, oh, good, I'm going to get another student. And, and Dwayne is a jerk, right? But I just had recently, I just had to let a parent and their kid go from my school who just absolutely refused to wear their uniform. If it was hot, they wouldn't wear the top. If they couldn't wear the pants, they couldn't find them, they'd wear jeans instead. Like four warnings, I said, listen, you have to wear your uniform. She says, you know what? You always make us feel bad. And I'm like, why? And she goes, because, you know, when we come without the uniform, you make us feel bad. I said, ma'am, I'm going to tell you this for the – you're not going to like this at all. If you show up to class again without your uniform, you're not allowed to train. We're going to sit him on the bench or send him out. 
So the very next day I told Nicole, my fiance, about it. She said, oh, maybe you're being a little too harsh. Maybe you should be more patient. And I said, no, I just have a really bad feeling about this family. Um, the kid was a cute kid, but the parents just, man, when they walk through the door, you ever get that feeling where you're like, I, I, I wish I didn't come today, only because they walk through the door? Well, I, I've learned to take that feeling and, and really understand it and say, I'm not going to subject myself to this. So if they're going to be the feeling that I don't want to be in my own school, I'm going to get rid of them because I want to be happy in my own school. So they called over the weekend. We're canceling our credit card. We're not paying. Um, we want out of our contract. So I called them back and I said, absolutely no problem. We'll let you out of your contract. I'd be more than happy as long as you're happy. So they paid a cancellation fee and, and they left. So um, but quite often, I probably should have called the school that they came from because they came from another school. And the guy I know, but I, they, it's out of their area, so they said they moved over here. But I should have called up and found out what type of kids and parents they were ahead of time, right? Because I would have gotten a really – I'm sure I would have gotten the same answer from them that they gave to me. So uh, Tuhan Torres wrote, that's honorable, and it's how martial artists should operate from the position of integrity. Um, I'm not sure what that was in reference to, Ali. That wasn't my intention. Uh, I, I, I think it's in reference to what I said. Did you try to – love to have you as oh, a student. Oh, right, right, right. Did right. you try to rectify everything? Yeah, yeah. That I mean, is I, a great I'm way. putting – maybe I'm – yeah. No, I, you're right. I, I, mouth, I think it was – yeah. Give us a thumbs up, uh, Tuhan, if uh, that's the truth, uh, if, if he's if we're on board right there. Um, yeah, so, so Dwayne, I think that – I think for you, you're right. You know, it's the Ben Franklin thing. Look it over pros and cons and weigh it out. But then there lies the situation where guys that like myself or let's say uh, uh, Soke Dai David Nemiroff and they're in these Japanese organizations where the benefits might be smaller than the, than the you know, the, the stringent requirements. However, we feel so loyal and we're locked in out of honor and integrity to our teachers so that we're there to help them and support them and give back to them. Um, it's a tough thing to, to navigate. Um, and uh, I've, I've talked to many people who left the organization that I was in, and they come to me going, how did you do it? And I have to tell you, for about two years, I, I hemmed and whored over the decision to do this. Um, and uh, it broke my heart. Like, it was almost like me telling my dad that I no longer could be a part of what they're doing. Um, I would hope, I hoped over those two years that things were going to change. And, 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 you know, but it turned out that it just kept getting worse and worse with more ultimatums put on me and so on. So eventually I had to leave for the safety of my house, my dojo, my students to protect them from, you know, or else I would have had issues and I wouldn't have been able to have a school and I wouldn't have been able to feed my family. So I had to leave for, for their sake, you know, not some of them weren't happy about that decision, but I did it for my own behalf and my students' behalf. And sometimes as instructors, we end up doing that. And it's sad, but um, unfortunately it's true. It is. I, I, it would be interesting to to know, you know, what the percentage in America is, uh, whether they're with an organization or without an organization. But I, I'll go back to what I said in the beginning of this, of this uh, podcast. Whether you're in an organization now, you and or your instructor or their instructor at one point was a part of an organization. But right. those organizations were um, not organizations at one time. They were just an individual like you are today. 
And so maybe this is the whole cyclical thing that's happening where, you know, it was one person that created this organization now is a big organization. People break off and now they're their own. It's just funny how that happens. Um, yeah. But either way, it, it all was a derivative from really some sort of uh, tradition or traditional uh, backings, no matter, really no matter what the art, I think. Um, I don't, right. You know, I maybe, maybe, maybe boxing is, is, is not, doesn't fall necessarily in that, that, um, you know, vein. But, but besides that, I, I can't think of many other so-called arts and not that boxing isn't an art, but, you know, I can't think of so uh, many so-called arts that don't really come from some sort of uh, a traditional background. Uh, yeah. Can you think of any? No, I mean, even, even, you know, even ninjutsu, I mean, stems from martial arts that came out of India and China, right? So there is a lineage going back in time. I mean, even my yoga teacher, who was 122 years old when he passed away, practiced a martial art from India and a martial art. So you wouldn't think that India has a martial art, but they do. They have many martial arts over there, some devious sword arts as well. Um, every warring society had their own martial art, right? I think we think are a little bit more more so that um, martial arts are more like karate, taekwondo, judo, jiu-jitsu. But we, we have to understand even the American Indians had a martial art. Um, and they taught it, a combat system. So it's martial, meaning military art. So, um, you know, traditionally, I think that, you know, you can argue the fact of whether what's tradition, what's not. We could do that till we're blue in the face. I'm just more of a purist where I don't want to see the parts of the arts that I learned as a kid, the time I spent with my teachers in Japan, um, and, and that connection I had with the place where the art that I studied was invented. You know what I mean? Like where I went there yeah. and I, I walked the streets and went to the temples and went to the museums and been with those people. Um, and, and I saw how, how, when, how misunderstood I thought the art was until I started traveling to Japan. My perception of what I was doing was very different. Even the words that I would say um, that I was taught, like the word us, you know, like saying us, like someone asked me a question, us, you know, how'd you like it, us? work harder, us, like everything was us, us, us. We ussed ourselves till we, were, till we were, you know, blue in the face. But when I went to Japan, my teacher said, no, 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 you, you can't use that term. That's not how the samurai or the ninja, they said the word height. They, you know, they, they spoke in, that's more of a slang, uh, more modern type, you know, more gangster related. Um, and not every karate system believes that, but this is how I was taught based on the samurai arts and the ninja arts that I learned. So um, it was really an eye-opener for me. And I suggest to people that they really want to know their history and know their culture, study it, travel, you know, go there, save your money up. If you, you're training in a Japanese martial art for 25 years and you have never traveled to Japan, make that a part of your bucket list. You know, you know study it, that kind of thing, or whatever, I think. Become more of what you live, right, if that makes sense. Yeah, who wrote uh, uh, that comment there? Um, Don Martinez, but first Steve Best wrote, I broke off in 1990. So, Steve, we'd love for you to write more about that on this post. So maybe you could kind of add to that and say whether it was a benefit to you or, you know, how hard it was. But throw something in the comment post there for us. And then Don Martinez wrote, I tuned in a little late, so you have already answered this. So you may have already answered this. 
uh, what do you do for rank advancement if you're not in an organization? And do you think it matters to the student if they're getting ranked from a school as opposed to a larger organization? Do you want to do that? or you? I have insight on yeah, that. Yeah, well, I'm well, sure I you just, do. So. Well, yeah, one is I, I rank them. Um, currently, I'm a sixth degree uh, in Tungsado. So I rank them in our um, system, if you will, in our school yeah. anyways. Uh, I continue to go and test just because I want to show my students that they need to continue to go to test, uh, not just right. be awarded, uh, you know, rank after a certain period of time and they didn't do anything, <laughs> uh, that type of thing. Um, but yeah. I don't – honestly, I do not – for us, it doesn't matter to my students. Now, with that being said, let's go back to what I talked about when David Nemiroff was talking about, you know, his lineage and, and, and all of that and how important that is. If I were in an Aikido school or Aikido or however you pronounce it, I, I'm, I'm not saying maybe incorrect. Aikido. Aikido. Okay. Um, and one of his students wanted to come to me because they lived in our area, and I didn't have the same you know, roots as him or something similar that to back it up, that would be highly important to them. And they probably wouldn't join my school. And I wouldn't blame them either that they wouldn't join my school. And so um, we are a product of what we were brought up in. And so if our students are brought up in that, you know, well, Mr. Bremmett signed certificates and it's a TriStar martial arts ranking, blah, 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 they don't know anything different. They just don't. I have very few people that have uh, backgrounds in, in different arts. Let's just, again, throw Taekwondo out there because it's so famous that, you know, they go, oh, I was ranked by blah, 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 and Taekwondo, and, you know, what is the ranking of my son going to be or my daughter? I've never, ever had that conversation, right. ever. And I've, I've been doing this now for 21 years, 19 years yeah. full time, and I've never right. had that conversation. Yeah, and, and, you know, for those of us that have been around 20 years, 30 years, right, our lineage now becomes our own doing, right? So that, like, yeah, I trained back in the day. There are many martial artists that were famous that went to Japan, went to Korea, went to China in the military, did two years, got their black belt, and came back. I mean, look at Joe Lewis and Chuck Norris, the world-famous people. Look at Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee trained in, in an art, but I don't think he got any real official ranking with Yip Man in the martial arts. So he trained with him. Um, but Bruce Lee was this innovator, this martial artist, this person that was um, quite amazing as far as, you know, coming up with stuff and starting his own system. So I think that, that it really all depends on whether you're credible. The parents don't really, a lot of the parents and a lot of the students, if they trust in you, they are satisfied with you giving them ranking, um, you know, and, and, you know, where do you turn for ranking? You know, that's true. Like, if you don't have a sensei, how are you going to get promoted? And a lot of martial artists do it different ways where they say, hey, I've been doing this teaching for 10 years. Um, I'm going to bump myself up a rank to fifth degree. Um, and they do it on their own, or they have an organization that does it, or a nearby master that recognizes their dedication and ability because they don't have somebody. Is that good or is it bad? That's something that we could do on another call. Um, but, uh, but I think that it's important that we are, you know, we are really just creating this world that's of legitimacy based on what we believe to be true. And if people buy into that world, join in that world, become part of that world, then they are okay with getting a tri-star martial art rank belt and a certificate okay with long island and jitsu centers ranking because compared to others it's different it's maybe better not or maybe not better but it is what it is right and that's really where we're at with that 
Well, and they wouldn't have stayed that long to black belt or beyond or whatever if they didn't find some sort of um, uh, legitimacy in it to a certain right. degree. And again, uh, you know, they are sheltered. I was sheltered by the organization I was w- with, you know, initially. I was sheltered, and I thought, oh, my gosh, there's so much more out there. And I knew yeah. that there were some things out there, you know, and, and even that organization slapped, would slap you on the hand if you taught something different. Um, right. You know, the, my original organization, they would, uh, no, you don't teach that in, in your class, you know, type right. thing. So you had to go do things on the side. <laughs> Yeah. And the one the one thing that I can say, though, and, and I, you know, this will be my last statement because I know we're almost overtime um, or we are. But um, I think, honestly, though, that we as Americans or Westerners have this vision of what it's like in the, in, you know, Asia and, you know, China, you know, wherever. Um, but we've never been there, so we, we have this thing built up from movies and history and books and all this stuff, and we'd be quite shocked if we went there to see that it's a little bit – like, you know, even the American martial artists, we're, we work make people work – they're like literally superhuman to get their black belt. But in Japan, black belt to them is a starting point. They, you know, they don't even feel right. that you're legit, legitimate until you're like third or fourth on, but you could get third or fourth on in six years. You know, seven years over here, I mean, you literally have to have given your firstborn, you know, you know, you, you've worked for 20 years, you ran the mile in, in a minute and a half. Like, like, I know I've done this where I kept up in the ante on every test I did, making them having to run further, exercise longer. Like, I was building these superhuman warriors in my head of what I thought they should be like to be black belts. And in Japan, not so much, right? So we have to be really careful that we don't push ourselves into a corner and, and make it so far out of reach that people are not going to be able to attain it. That's that's really my only thoughts on that. So I think we gave enough on pros and cons and some things for people to decide on and their thoughts on it. So I hope that people enjoyed the call, um, and I appreciate your insight. My pleasure. All right. Well, I uh, just want to remind everyone that you can get us on iTunes, and it just comes right to your phone. Uh, if you want to go to, if you go to iTunes, just look up schoolundertalk.com uh, and it'll pop up. Or you can go to schoolundertalk.com and uh, find the icon there and click on the iTunes. Or even if you have a Google Play and those type of things, all that information is there. You can subscribe. And uh, yeah, until next time. Thanks, Allie. Hey, Dwayne. Thanks so much. Everybody, thanks for being here. Talk to you soon. Yeah, and thank you for uh, your comments. It uh, really helped during this conversation. So I appreciate you guys being involved. Thanks, Allie. Awesome. Bye.